Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and special thank you and shout out to Newsstand Studio in New York City for producing this episode of the Refined Collective. Go ahead and follow along with them on Twitter, at Rock Center NYC, or over on the Instagrams, at Rockefeller Center. Also, I would love to invite you to join my Patreon community, patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. You can join for as little as $3 a month. And this is my little corner of the internet where I share my most raw, unedited version of self and storytelling and thoughts and musings. So if you would like to join that conversation, if you think I get real on the podcast, you don't even know what goes down on this Patreon community. It's beautiful. It's interactive. I share on Patreon what I'm not ready to share on the podcast yet. So come join patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. We are supported by Satya Jewelry. I am such a fan of dainty, delicate, and feminine jewelry. I also am a firm believer that the physical is always an invitation to the spiritual. This is why I'm so excited to be partnering with New York City female-founded jewelry company, Satya Jewelry. Satya means truth in Sanskrit. And Satya Jewelry has been creating inspiring, spiritual, and intentional jewelry since 2002. Satya Jewelry creates beautiful, spiritual pieces using sacred and meaningful symbols and semi-precious gemstones renowned for their healing properties. Cast in sterling silver and 18 gold plate, each Satya Jewelry design is created to bring joy, peace, and hope as a celebration of all backgrounds. I am currently wearing the Eternal Seeker Choker Necklace. It's so feminine. I love it so much. It's gold-plated with these beautiful Labradorite gems throughout. And the intention behind the gemstone is imagination, perseverance, and truth, which I know I could use some more of that in my life, y'all. In partnership with the Satya Foundation, Satya Jewelry has helped raise over $1 million in donations to help empower and support children worldwide through social and economic initiatives. To dive into the beautiful world of Satya Jewelry, visit www.satyajewelry.com and use promo code RC15 for 15% off your first order. 
That's www.satyajewelry.com with promo code RC15. Now on to today. This is a different type of episode that I have not done before. But I've just been really reimagining and rethinking the podcast and thinking of what are different sort of series that I could do. So as you know, recently, I just did a podcast episode called Ask Cat, where I took my Instagram series that I do every Monday on IG stories called Mentor Monday and transformed it into a podcast episode. This is another one of those ideas. If you hate it, then part of me wants to say, don't tell me because you'll make me cry. But honestly, if you like it and you want to hear more of this, please let me know. Would always love your feedback. Now, today's guest is my best friend. I know her as Sara Del Monte. I I just said your name weird. (laughs) Sara Del Monte. I think I was going to like try to say it like Puerto Rican and then I got scared halfway through. You have to commit to it, Kat. Sara Del Monte. <laughs> or Tutti Del Monte. You might know her on Instagram. She was actually on episode number 31 of the podcast, which we are linking in the show notes. And that episode is called How to Confront Transition and Unexpected Changes, where she kind of walks through living in New York and experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. And now that unexpected pregnancy is like the cutest freaking three-year-old child prodigy we've ever mm-hmm. met. Agreed. So, agreed. So, Sarah. Hi. What, now I'm insecure <laughs> with how I say your name. <laughs> Should I say Sarah? <laughs> I don't know. I, I forgot what you actually call me now. I actually feel like I never say your name. No, I just call you sis. That's true. We just know each other as sissy or sis. I think once I called you sister and you said that felt weird. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so should we tell people why we call each other sissy? I don't even know how it started. Do you remember? Oh, yes, of course I know how it started. Is it because okay. I actually think I'm your sister? <laughs> it's because you weaseled your way into my family trips. <laughs> I did. No, sis. Okay. You used to live with Johnny. Oh, yeah. Who... <laughs> okay. So the we episode's used... already starting off weird. Great. It's starting off really <laughs> weird. So, okay. So Sarah and I, I think the TV show Friends, we lived in the same building, except for I lived right above her and she lived right below me. <laughs> and you had this roommate, Johnny, who he was married at the time when you guys were at roomies. Mm-hmm. But he was his wife was in Colorado. He had this like year long, was it an internship? No, no, no. It was like an entry, not an entry level position, but it was essentially the his foot in the door with this big law firm. Yeah. And we basically just gave him hell for a year. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, you know, super nice to us. He would go out and didn't he just eat McDonald's like all the time? He did. He had like the, a child's diet. It was incredible. Really and I was very jealous every day. He would yeah, have mac and cheese was... or McDonald's or mac and cheese on McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> With Doritos crushed With on top. Doritos. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Remember he made those, like, paper bag Dorito nachos one? He, like, had a grocery bag and, like, put a bunch of 
Doritos in there and put them in the oven with fixings on it or something. Oh my goodness, stop. I can't. But, but anyways, Johnny would go to the grocery store when he was picking up his McDonald's and pick us up candy. And so we would just, you know, give him hell and be like, thanks, dad. Thanks for getting your daughters some food. And then we jokingly in public or wherever we were or on the subway would be like, daddy. And then that's when we started calling each other sissy. That's true. Thank we were you like, for... let's just keep this weirdness going. I don't know why I'm so uncontrollably laughing right now. I don't know that I can pull it together. Are you embarrassed? No, I us? love this. Are you embarrassed of our love story? I miss Johnny. I miss daddy. Oh, I miss daddy. <laughs> I really miss daddy. We should. And it was not a weird sexual thing. It was just like, how uncomfortable can we make him feel? We committed to it and we're still committed to it. Hey, John. I mean, we really, we really commit to our bits. That's for sure. Um, Should we give context for the rest of this episode in terms of how many inside jokes we're going to make or a reference? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. First things first, you mentioned friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of friends references. Yep. Mm -hmm. Lots of mean girls references. Yep. And I don't feel embarrassment at all to admit that there are plenty of references to She's the Man. Oh, totally. (laughs) And Beckham does it all the time. (laughs) My favorite Cinderella story, Hillary Duff edition. Yep. In fact, let's just go ahead and say this podcast is brought to you today. By the 2002 or 2003, Hillary Duff, Chad Michael Murray, a Cinderella story. Oh, I can't wait to quote oh, it. I can't wait. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm. I get so happy when Netflix brings it back. Same. It'll bring it back for like a few weeks. I know. Every once in a I while. know. And I always edit to my list every time. Yeah. I actually just bought it on iTunes though. So I have two DVDs of it. Oh, but no man, DVD you're player. So lucky. <laughs> I need to go to well, Goodwill. I have, I have my She's the Man. DVD and I have a DVD player, but I don't know how to plug it into my TV. So remember how you used to only allow me to watch your DVD once a year? Yes. Well, you wanted to watch the, She's the Man every day I and did. it was making it not as special. <laughs> it is <it's> special. <laughs> Speaking of friends, I was asking my podcast producer, podcast producer. <laughs> for some feedback recently. And he says that my peas are very intense. And so I just keep thinking of the episode of Monica and Chandler's wedding when Joey is in that war scene and that guy's like, forget the platoon. The platoon is gone. And he's spitting all over Joey. Uh, one of my favorite moments of Joey. Oh, so good. Okay. So on this episode, aside us just being really annoying with each other, recently... I discovered my middle school journal and I have been going through it and reading it and just dying at how I showed up in the world in seventh (laughs) grade. And I don't know, I was reading it to you on the phone, I think in the last few weeks. And we were like, we should do a podcast episode where we like read this and psychoanalyze each other. I mean, it's incredible how consistent your character has been. Thanks, sis. Appreciate that. Seriously, from day one, you have shown up Mm -hmm. as as the same type of woman that I know you today. Well, you know, consistency really matters to me. So I feel really good about that. My journal is covered in, remember those 
I don't know if you ever did your like textbook covers in this, but it was, it's like that sticker stuff that goes in drawers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, wrapping like, paper that's sticky. Yes. Yeah. You wrap your exactly. books in. Yeah. To protect them. Yep. from I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. Markers or I don't yeah. know, monsters. But mine is covered in true 1990s fashion sunflower sticker paper. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you found your journal. I recently found my box of journals and I pulled out my oldest ones, which are from the 90s. And it's such a blast from the past. Um, They all have a lock and key, of course. course. And I just opened one that even has its own legend that I had stamps for. So there are three categories in mine. There are love stories, life (laughs) stories... And then the third one, what is it? School. <laughs> school. School. Um, what a bore. What a Yum. bore. There are no school <laughs> entries. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> so how should we do this? Should I just start reading? Do you want to start reading? Should I just read? Should I read one and you read one? Yeah, why or don't I read- you read the first? Because uh, to be honest, I haven't really read through all of my, these entries because mm-hmm. I just thought of pulling mine out uh, 10 minutes ago. So, okay. yeah, let's start with you. Okay. <clears throat> October 13th, 1997. <laughs> I was evidently doing some sort of like role play or I don't know if I was trying to be a movie producer, but here we go. Title, Melrose Hotel. Main characters, Eve Davis, the mysterious woman who was head over heels for Richie Stale. Slash Catherine Harris, a young woman who's <laughs> who's trying to make it big in the modeling business. <laughs> Plot: Two roommates. <laughs> okay, I don't want this to be the type of thing where only I think this is funny. It's um, you're not. I think this okay. is hilarious. Plot: Two roommates who are into partying and catching guys at the clubs <laughs> come night. But at day, they're two women trying to make a career of being hot and sexy models. They got the looks, the hair, the talk, but do they have the moves? Come see on the hot. And then it just stops. Like, what is that, Kat? Like, were you trying to write for, like, drama class or? I, well, Eve Davis was really my best friend in the seventh grade. And oh, so I she's, don't know. she's a real character. Okay. She's a real person, okay. but Richie Stale is definitely <clears throat> not real um, because I do remember my seventh grade crush. His name was Bradley and then another one named Alex. And um, I don't know. I think I was just trying to write a a rom-com or a movie <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah, but I also, I can't help but think, was I like I can't prophesying about my future life hmm. in New York City? Hmm. That might be a stretch, but I'll go with it. I mean, come on. You and I were into partying when we lived in New York City. I mean, you were into going to the club. In the club. Okay. And then we would dance all night. You would dance all night. I mean, we have night. some stories. I would dance all night. Mm-hmm. So you said. Mm-hmm. Well, you had... I think some of my funnest memories in New York of us going out was when your DJ friend from Paris would come to town. Uh, are we not naming names? Let's not name names. Okay. <laughs> Let's protect anonymity. Okay, you got it. But um, but yeah, when you're you had this group of guys that would come in that you went to college with, uh-huh. 
And what was the deal? Like one of them was their manager. What would happen? So my college friend represents, essentially as his manager, this DJ, and they would fly into New York to do shows. I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I really don't know the details. I just enjoyed the the benefits. I just remember one time, I think it was like a Sunday night and it was 10 p.m. We're hanging out. Maybe it was even later than that. I don't know. We're in our pajamas and you get a text from your friend and you're like, should we go? Should we do it? Should we go? And we just like ended up getting ready really quick. I remember my hair was so greasy. We didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Sounds about <laughs> it <was> right. <laughs> really greasy. And we went to this club and meatpacking. And the deal was when he was like the DJ at these like big fancy clubs in New York mm-hmm. is if we were like, it was like that song from the 90s. Like I'm with the DJ. Yep. Like, I, remember that song? I'm with the DJ. I'm okay? not going to sing. I've been asked not to sing. <laughs> You just really got to connect to your diaphragm, Sarah. Still don't think I have one. (laughs) But we'd get there and it was, we would go to the DJ booth and it would be VIP, bar service. Like what I think of is a movie scene out of some sort of Dakota Fanning rom-com in New York City. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And they played all the jams and we would stay out until like 4 or 5 a.m. I mean, who were we back then? I know. I do you think that I had I think the most fun I had during those nights was to be completely honest was watching how much fun you were having. <laughs> Cuz we all know I would prefer to be in bed by, you know, 9 p.m. But That's you true. knew all the songs especially cuz this DJ specializes in like 90s and what is it? What genre is it that you love? <laughs> 90s R&B and hip hop. I know it's really hard to remember. <laughs> exactly. No one. It's a very niche market. <laughs> so that's like your jams. And he obviously it specializes really in it. So oh, yeah. it was such a cool thing to be able to like bring my worlds together from college. And then mm-hmm. my, you know, back then that was like my present life with you. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like such a connection, such a merging of two different lives that I had. And oh, yeah. everyone was just like on in the best mood and just, it was so fun. Yeah. And it feels like it's, it's those nights in New York. Also, your mic is rubbing up against something. Okay. I'm trying for it not to. <laughs> okay. Just hold your breath. If you're not I'm talking. Latin. I speak with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, um, um, but I, what I love about those nights too is I feel like, you know, I'm 36, you're 34, right? Mm-hmm. And most of my friends from Texas got married at 19, 20, and, you know, have five kids at this point. And, you know, you move to New York City and it really is a city that never sleeps. And living in New York is freaking hard and it just sucker punches you in the gut every single day. But it also is, I always said it was the highest highs and lowest lows you'll ever experience. And you can just be like kicked in the gut and then have one of these epic nights out or experiences that you know would only happen in New York. You know, like at what, like in what other city on a Sunday night are you going to go out and have this like insane VIP club experience until 5 (laughs) a.m.? Bingo night. That's right. (laughs) Bingo night at the standard. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels like those are such special memories that, you know, now that I'm in Austin, I'm not really having ever or slash being 
post-pandemic. But I'm just really glad that I have those memories. Same. Yeah, same. definitely. Same. Same. Agreed. Same. Agreed. Now same. I'm extra conscious of my mic. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so should I read another journal entry or do you want to read one? Oh, why don't I read a little excerpt? And keep okay. in mind, I am translating this from Spanish to English as I read. So <laughs> let's see. All righty. So the context here, it is the 14th of February, 1999, Valentine's Day. There's oh, a lot wow. of heart stamps to make sure mm. I remember this is a love entry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yesterday was my volleyball inauguration. There were so many people. It was raining so much and everything was getting wet, but there was a boy there. His name was Antonio. Oh. <laughs> and then I go into the story of how I know Antonio, something having to do with my mom knowing his mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, <clears throat> he is so cute. And my friend got to be in his team. They're in the blue team and he's number eight. I'm in the red team and I'm number eight. What a coincidence. <laughs> He's 13 and almost all girls are in love with him, including me. I hope <laughs> he feels the same for me. Happy Valentine's Day. Update. He has a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, shit. She, she's older than him. That's it. Okay. First of all, if you're 13 years old and you're dating an older woman... <laughs> I want like you know you got game. Yeah, where is Antonio today? Where is he today? <laughs> you know, I will give me his first and last I do name have and last his four last digits name. of social. I do have his last name. I feel like we can find a lot of information in the next oh, five yeah. minutes. I will lurk him mm -hmm. out. Do you think he has just as much game now? Dating you know, like, or, or did he peak at 13? Yeah. Yep. I'm thinking that. Yeah. I have a theory. I think. You you don't want to date anyone that peaked in high school. No, or middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Even take that another layer. You don't want to date anyone who peaked in middle school. Uh, when did you peak? <clears throat> or have you Have peaked I yet? peaked is the question. Is no, I don't I, want everyone I to I have an me. answer to that, but I want to hear your answer to that. <laughs> I honestly, and, and I'm, I'm being very, um, obviously as humble as I can be and gracious with myself. I feel like I am getting more confident with myself as the years go by. And mm -hmm. I can say, obviously, physically and emotionally are two separate conversations. Um, mm -hmm. I look back at photos when I was in college or post-college, but I honestly feel more aligned with who I am as a like full woman right now. Mm. So mm -hmm. I don't know that I peaked back then. I don't know that I haven't peaked. I just feel more whole as a woman mm. right now. Yeah, that's fair. What is your answer feel, to that? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I, I don't know if you felt this, but I feel like as soon as I got into my 30s, I felt so much more comfortable in my skin mm. and just a new level of confidence. And I don't think that's magical to turning 30, but I know you and I have both done a ton of work and continue to do that work. And so I wonder if that's part of it or just life experience or having life kick you in the gut a few times. Um, and, but yeah, I see that in you for sure. And really and, what does peak look like, right? Yeah. Like that's 
the nuance. Well, you know, I have a very strong opinion and I probably, I have a very strong opinion about um, your peaking time. That's true. I think it is. I think we both agree that I peaked, what is it, before pregnancy or at, right after giving birth? <laughs> I think your entire pregnancy experience, it's almost like hard to talk about because <laughs> you're, like, you're going to make so many other women jealous. I'll take the win for this one, man. I mean, I'll just say, here's my experience of your pregnancy. And yeah, it wasn't all sunshines and butterflies. But first of all, you were in like the best shape of your life when you got pregnant. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Agreed. I was going to I the mean, gym you're... for like three hours a day, you maybe really... for other reasons, but <laughs> I was Some there. Some cute guy at the gym, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe there was a cute guy there. Who knows? I remember you were like, do you want to go work out with me? I'm like, it's 11 o'clock a.m. on a Tuesday. I have to work. You're like, I'll be back in five hours. I gotta go work out. <laughs> like, okay, what's happening? God had a plan, Catherine. God had a plan. So you get pregnant. First of all, you're in the best shape of your life. And then you don't even look pregnant until what? You're like eight months? Basically. Like, when did you pop? <laughs> I pop. I'm looking back. I was looking back at my baby book that I saved. And I actually popped around 27 weeks, 28 weeks, mm-hmm. which... I don't know what that translates to. Um, yeah, six I, I can't think right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't like breaking <laughs> things down. Into Was that 18 weeks? months into your pregnancy? <laughs> um, yeah, I remember it was like 27, 28 weeks. And that's when I started going from just looking bloated to looking like I had a little bit of a belly. But the real like belly belly really came out at week 34, 35. Yeah. And let me just interrupt you here. Folks, Sarah did not look bloated. (laughs) She was glowing, rosy cheeks. Her boobs looked awesome. She was still working out every single day of her pregnancy. And then meanwhile, I'm stress eating over here because she's pregnant. (laughs) Remember the night I got, not I got pregnant, the night I found out I was pregnant, how much stress eating y'all were doing? Oh, yeah. There was definitely multiple frozen... Pizzas. Pizzas eaten. I think I definitely... Pirate booty, Cheetos. Mm-hmm. It was. It was like Johnny was there me. all over again. It was like Johnny was there all over. You called me in the middle of my church group that I was leading, and I was like, "What?" You're like, "Um, I'm pregnant," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I freaked out. I just started sobbing and left my group in the middle and was like, "Guys, I gotta go." Mm-hmm. And then. Um, the rest is history. Well, there's a lot more to that story. Yeah. But here's the real kicker of your peakness. You left the hospital after you had Levi in your pre-pregnancy jeans or pants. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I still can't. Like, you sent me a picture and you're like, don't show anyone. I don't want to piss anyone off. I just honestly, obviously very blessed, very lucky Um, I definitely consider it a win, you know, Um, Mm. but to be frank, I didn't even think when I was packing my bag to go to the hospital, I guess something went over me. I didn't even think of what I needed to wear to the hospital or out of the hospital. I just, Mm. I just thought of like, what's the baby going to need? What are like those things that you read up um, and blogs, you know, like all the pillows and the (laughs) robes and whatever. But I didn't think of like my outfit. So I just had literally, because when I went to my doctor to check up my, my, I was post my due date, 
I was on my way to the beach. So I had, a, I didn't even have my hospital bag. I only had a bag that was made to go to the beach. And so I had that. And then my mom ended up bringing me a, the hospital bag that she threw whatever from my closet into the bag. And yeah, they were my, it was that pre-pregnancy romper that I had. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if I get pregnant again, I am just praying that yeah. I have the same experience because I was so lucky. <laughs> you really, really were. Pregnancy was like, has been your best luck so Seriously, far. Seriously, I love yeah. being pregnant. I can't wait to be pregnant again. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is coming from someone who I could have bet against myself that I was going to mm. blow up. Oh, I mean, I'm, I've, I've, I thought you might blow up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, real talk. yeah, real talk. Let's be honest. I have that pre, you know, disposition, <laughs> but God oh was on God. my side a lot. God was on your side. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I send these pictures to you on Instagram stories all the time because, or on DM, because it's so triggering when those like skinny freaking influencers are like, baby bum. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, calm down. You, first of all, don't even look like you even had a, have a burrito Mm -hmm. belly. Like you just look like you woke up after a seven day silent retreat (laughs) fast. Like you you do not have a baby now. (laughs) Yeah. You actually look fine. And I'm like, you want to see a baby bump? I'll show you my burrito belly or just wake up little belly any day. Well, I appreciate the love, seriously, because I did feel so beautiful when I was pregnant. And so... You are beautiful. I appreciate that. You're beautiful. (laughs) This is beautiful. (laughs) That, oh, that's another reference. That is another reference. How to lose a guy in 10 days. That's that's where we get a lot of our bits from. Um, Sarah, do you think I peaked? Honestly, I... Do you think I peaked in middle school, high school, college, or post? Let's be honest. I've seen your college photos. Um, I think you were probably weightlifting a little bit too much and eating way too much. I I gained the fresh, I gained the freshman 30. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. So, um, and then in, I saw you, uh, photos of you a couple years after that, and you still looked like you had a mild gluten allergy. (laughs) And so I think to be honest, and this may be my love goggles saying this. You have such love goggles. I do. I really do. I wish I could see me the way you see me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've peaked, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I see every time I see you, I'm like, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. Thanks. So sis. I think you're just on the up and up. On the up and up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think. Int. int. That's what my 19 <laughs> year old sister says for interesting. <laughs> int. Or if it's very interesting. Vent. Like, what is going on with the world? I'm like, um, are you patronizing me? (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them, no, you are not alone. And that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol, with many users raving that the supplement not only transformed their hair, but restored their confidence too. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding, thank God, through all stages of life. 
Healthier hair growth takes time. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of Nutrafol. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. I use Nutrafol not necessarily because I have thinning hair, but because I love the benefits of thicker, fuller hair through the use of ingredients that are actually good for my body as a whole. You can grow thicker, healthier hair by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code CAT to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. So visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T. R-A-F-O-L dot com and use promo code CAT. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've done therapy off and on for years, and I started seeing a therapist again last year to process through some old trauma along with anxiety and depression I was experiencing. I can honestly say I'm a different person than I was a year ago. I am such an advocate for therapy, which makes me so excited to partner with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And their service is available for clients worldwide, which means millions of people have access to professional help at their fingertips. And here's the awesome thing is it's affordable and accessible. And if money is an issue, there's financial aid opportunities with BetterHelp. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if and when needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit betterhelp.com refined. That's betterhelp.com slash refined and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for the Refined Collective listeners to get 10% off your first month. So go ahead and go to betterhelp.com slash refined. This is like mixed emotions for me because I think I was in the best shape of my life in New York. Mm-hmm. Those probably like four years in when, you know, I was doing yoga all the time. And then I was struggling with all that anxiety stuff. So I literally cut out gluten, dairy, sugar, cheese, anything good in my life for like two Caffeine. years. Caffeine, alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I was in the, I would want to say like physically, that was probably like my peak performance. But mm-hmm. I look back and I, I mean, I was driven to all of that because I was stressed out. I was freaking exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I feel like I'm still recovering from that season of my life. And I've been technically gone from New York for a year, even though I spend two weeks there a month. So I'm kind of like 50% there, 50% here in Austin. But 
Yeah, I feel like my body looks way different than it did even a year ago or five years ago. And it, I still, I love my body, but I think that I'm learning a new way of living, of like slowing down, listening to my body, having grace with myself, wanting to be more in the feminine, processing through a lot of like past grief and trauma from my childhood. And so I'm going to agree with you. I'm, I'm going to say like my peak is coming. I see it because I see you more and more really bridging what is on the outside with how you're feeling on the inside. And yeah, you're referencing the time where you weren't going to the gym or working out and doing yoga every single day. And you obviously look beautiful, but I just see much more of the alignment of your body, mind, and spirit now. Mm. Thanks, sis. Thanks, You're welcome. Well, that kind of leads me into another journal entry. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. March 13th, 1998. Women are not equal at all to men. We have to put a stop to this. Women and men could have the same exact jobs and men will still sometimes get thousands of dollars more than women just because they're men. It's disgusting, exclamation point, exclamation point. It makes me so a thousand underlines, angry, exclamation point. When I grow up, I'm going to put a stop to all of this nonsense, period. And there it is. There it is. There she is. That is you. I mean, right now, that's you. With a little more anger, but... Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like she was just that. Catherine was in touch with so much injustice. Yes. I mean, I've taken the Enneagram test about a thousand times and done Mm -hmm. workshops and all that, and I always test three. But reading my old journals, that's like one of many entries like that where, like injustice just boils in my vein, which makes me think perhaps I have like a hidden or maybe not so hidden Enneagram 8 in me. But I think reading that... Well, first of all, when I read that for the first time, I was shocked. Like, it sounds like you're not shocked that I wrote that, but I was. I was like, wait, I've been like this the whole time? I didn't know that I cared about that when I was in seventh grade. I didn't know I was a feminist. It was surprising to me, but it wasn't to you. No, not at all. Like I said early on, I feel like these entries that you're reading me are just such a confirmation that you have always been the same person, that your value system has always been the same. Mm -hmm. And this is no different. I mean, you're still fighting for feminism. You're still um, in touch with how you can support, um, you know, truth seeking and truth spreading and truth telling Mm -hmm. and this is just another example. Like this, it's always been within you. Yeah. I, well, thanks for saying that. And I receive it. And even as I was reading that, a memory came up for me. Well, first of all, I always wonder like, what was going on? Like, what right. did I learn about? Who taught me that men and women get paid different things? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and all of, all of that stuff. But I have this distinct memory from when I was in the first grade that, feels like this same energy, but I never really knew how to interpret it. But basically, in the first grade, there was a kid in my grade. His name was Michael. And he was kind of nerdy. And I think people would make fun of him sometimes. And he was in my brother's Boy Scout troop. And 
every year in Boy Scouts, they make these like wooden cars and do these car races or something. Was uh, was Nando a Boy Scout? He was not. No, okay. he was always into sports. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you're saying he was... Uh, Nando definitely... Did he peak in high school? Did he peak in high school? Has my brother peaked? <laughs> Is your brother just in a constant state of peak? <laughs> I think he might be. I think I think you would think so. So, yes. <laughs> um, so, we go to this... Boy Scout car race thing and everyone's car is going. And Michael's, I don't remember exactly what happened, if it broke, if he got last place, but something bad happened to his car and to him. And I felt so sad for him. And I I felt like it was so wrong. And I felt like people are being mean to him. And this is like, I'm six years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember going home that night and being so upset about it. I shared a bed with my little sister, Caroline, at the time. We had bunk beds. I was so upset about it. I slept on the floor because I just felt like I didn't deserve to sleep in my bed. And I remember laying on the floor crying and my parents came upstairs and were like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's just not fair. Like, my people don't want to be friends with Michael and his car did really bad and I just feel so bad for him and it just feels so wrong. And I just, I like felt like, I don't even know if he felt upset about it, but I mm. felt this like injustice and this unfairness and this, I don't know, empathy for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that memory is like still, still there. And so I don't know if that, does that correlate, you think? Does that correlate? Yes, of course it correlates. Um, I was going to ask you, do you think, or what do you think this intense passion that you had back then has transferred over to current day? I mean, I think that it's, I think currently, I think what it has looked like is me really speaking a ton of truth and almost being like a whistleblower or uh, I don't like the, the word whistleblower, but I feel like so much of my work now has been like calling out the church for things that feel really unjust, especially in regards to women issues, gender identity, LGBTQIA plus issues, all of that stuff. Um, BLM, uh, BIPOC issues in the last few years. But I think I have, I think I've always had this like, like heart for the underdog. And like, because before it was the refined woman, before it was sexless in the city, it was, I was in the nonprofit world and I traveled all over the US raising money and support for like a war, like Uganda and child soldiers in Northern Uganda. And um, I think that there's just like always been this thing in me and I don't know what the root of it is. If it was like, I felt like the underdog or on the outside growing up which I know I did feel that those ways. I think I always felt like a little bit on the outside of the crowd or like I almost belonged. Even like can look back now and see like I I definitely was had friends. And I, I even when I played college tennis, I was number one as a freshman, full ride scholarship. And I never really believed I belonged there. So I don't know if like it honestly goes back to my own stuff of feeling like maybe I felt like I wish I had an advocate Maybe that's coupled with this like God-given heart or desire um, to like stand up. Like all I can explain it is like it feels like 
when I experience it, it feels like something is like boiling out of my heart. And like, I couldn't not say it. I couldn't not feel it if I wanted to. Like when I feel like I have something to say that is to address an injustice, like I feel like if I don't say it, I'm going to be sick. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I certainly don't feel that way. So I think that's definitely the spirit and like your heart. That is what what God put in you, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that is just such a beautiful example. Like as you read more and more of these, they're just to me so much, they make the full picture so much clearer because it kind of describes that like innocent start Mm. of what you truly are. And and to see, to read that and to see and know who you are today is such a beautiful picture. It kind of just kind of blends all the things together because it, it just brings together the, the, I don't know how to explain this in a different way, but just to me, it's like, it's you mm-hmm. and your heart has always been for the people, <laughs> Catherine for a president, um, <laughs> Your heart has always been to speak up for those who cannot or will not speak up for mm-hmm. others or for themselves. And even if they're, the conversation isn't happening, you're the one to speak up. And like, I love how you say that it's something you can't not do. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like someone could pay you to shut up and you couldn't and not shut up in a bad way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to not say the thing that is just, mm-hmm. and, and I just love that about you. And I love reading these back with you because it's baby Catherine being unafraid of what grown up Catherine might think twice about. Mm-hmm. And how cool is that? Like, yeah. how cool is it to see that you've always been a consistent, the same consistent person? Yeah. And I, I'm very proud of who you are as a friend and as a woman and just as a person. So I love reading these. They're hilarious. And also they're just so cool to witness your character that has always been consistent. Thanks, sis. Even my movie making. Your movie making. Um, maybe you should not pursue screenplay. Okay. Got it. Screenwriting. Message received. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for saying that, Sarah. I really appreciate that. And yeah, I think it makes me think about... I remember I was a nanny for these twins like from the time they were newborn until almost five years old. And I was with them five days a week, you know, 40 hours a week. And from day one, they had such distinct personalities and dispositions and... It was cool to see like over those, even just those four years of, wow, like Evan has always been like the busy one and running all over the place where Chloe was more like quiet and reserved or shy. And, you know, Evan was this risk taker and it just makes me curious, you know, what will they be like grown up? But I know there's like the whole like nature versus nurture conversation, but I do think that there are these like things within every human being that the thing that is like this like special way we're wired that like God has put in every human to, I don't know, it's like maybe maybe our gift or our gift back to the world once if it's activated or just that thing that makes us come alive or that thing that like burns in our chest. And 
And so it is interesting to look back because I was surprised, but you're like, no, I've known you. Like, I'm not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. I know we have to wrap up because you're, it's in the middle of work day and you're, you're obliging me by being on this conversation. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. <clears throat> but do you, can you look back on your life and see like ways that you were as a kid and how that is in your life right now? That's such a cool question. Um, and yes, I can. I definitely, it's something I wonder about often because I am a feeler just like you and I'm constantly wanting to feel better or feel, you know, more grounded or to feel more connected or this is like my constant search on a daily basis and the barometer or like kind of like the benchmark that I have for myself is what I was like as a child. I don't Mm -hmm. know why, but that's kind of like where my mind goes. I'm like, I, as a child was such a spirited girl. I was like wanting always the attention on myself, not in a arrogant way, but more in a like performance way. Mm -hmm. You know, I always loved making people laugh or entertaining people with my singing (laughs) (laughs) or dancing. Um, And I was just such a free spirit from Mm -hmm. then. And I can see that that is whenever I do feel closest to that, to to baby Sarah or baby, Mm -hmm. not even baby, but just like younger me, I feel so much more at home with myself. Yeah. And so I don't know, like I I definitely look back at that time in my life where, you know, you have those home movies Mm -hmm. that you look at yourself and you're like, what was I doing? I was wild or I was crazy or I was this or that, or I was so outspoken. Mm-hmm. And, and it, to me, it's just a natural, the natural next question is like, where is that now? Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly not comparing myself to that younger version, but just noting like my, my nature, my, that nature versus nurture thing, like my yeah. natural disposition has always been to be full of life, to be um, outspoken, to be friendly, to be, you know, that person who every who wants to make other people feel great, you mm-hmm. know. And I think obviously that transfers in my adult life to what I do and how I operate in my dynamics of friendships and relationships. But I just think it's so cool, like how you're saying, like to think back to that younger self yeah. um, and how that shows up in in current day. I don't even know if that was your actual question. Yeah, but that's no, kind of where to- my mind goes. It totally was. And I think that's so beautiful. And I feel like I can see that. I mean, I when I go to your mom's house in Florida, I just all I want to do is look at childhood pictures of you because they're so freaking cute. You're always like doing the splits or <laughs> don't have very many clothes on because you're probably hot. Um, but one thing that I love about you is you don't know a stranger. And People like me like being friends with people like you in social settings because I actually get like really shy and like you, you're just the girl. I mean, there's a reason why a bunch of our friends came from the gym and it wasn't because me, it was because you'd go up to someone and be like, your hair is pretty. Want to be friends? Like (laughs) Literally. Literally. (laughs) And you're like that today. You don't know a stranger. You'll talk to someone on the subway you're like that in your business. You're not afraid to make friends or network when like I will go to that same networking event or party or something and be like, 
stressed out and like sweaty palms, like, oh my gosh, like I have to talk to new people. Like this feels really nervous to Mm -hmm. me, but you just have this like magic sauce to make everyone feel like a million bucks. And you have that like childlike wonder in you of just like, hey, what's your name? Do you want to go play? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think you draw that out of people. And um, so I I love that about you. Thanks, sis. I wonder what other things we have that we're not aware of, you know, that we can look back on and be like with 2020 glasses, like, oh, I've always been doing that. So I guess it's a pattern. It's a pattern. Well, maybe that can be for our next middle school journal episode. (laughs) I will close with this. When you were sharing that, there is a quote by C.S. Lewis. It's actually the foreword or his dedication in his book, Chronicles of Narnia. He dedicated the book to his goddaughter, Lucy. And he says something along the lines of, you know, I started writing this book for you when you were so little. And now so much time has passed. You're too old for fairy tales. But one day you'll be old enough to start believing in fairy tales again. And mm. I just think of the that with like this, I can't remember where it is in the Bible, but Jesus is constantly saying like, be like little kids again. Like his invitation to adults is always to like be like a kid again. Mm. or And, and I, so I think what you're saying is so powerful because I just feel like, yeah, of course you feel most grounded when you are connected to little Sarah, when Mm -hmm. you are connected to that child, like on wonder. And yeah, I see, I see, I see a girl who is like not afraid to love and not afraid to put herself out there. And then when I see in my own journal, I see a girl who's like justice and passion and (laughs) not ashamed of that. And sometimes a lot of times now, even though I do say a lot of things, I can feel like, Am I being too much? Like guys don't like it as much. Guys don't like a lippy girl, you know? And <laughs> I'm like constantly can be judging myself or I'll say something intense and then second guess it. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if we could just get back to that, those childlike selves. That would be amazing. I mean, anytime I see my little little munchkin Levi playing Sometimes when I have, when I allow myself the stillness to really observe him is really, it's just so powerful to witness how enthralled he is in his little world of Mm -hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. And the other day he was playing or he was messing around with his toys. And by messing around, I mean, making a complete disaster of my entire (laughs) house. And he was saying something, I don't remember exactly what, but he goes, where are mama's toys? And I'm like, in my head, it was like a light bulb moment. Mm. It was like he, his world is about playing. His world is about enjoying himself with toys, without toys so much that he wants to know where my toys are, you know, like it was such a powerful moment that literally stopped me in my tracks. And that is the reason I got that piano. (laughs) Wow. Because I was like, where are my toys? But Mm -hmm. obviously like representative of of the bigger picture of of playing, Mm -hmm. you know, what am I doing in my life that shows him, that shows myself that I'm still playful, that Mm -hmm. I'm still really enjoying life. And obviously they say that our children teach us everything or Mm -hmm. they're our biggest teachers. And that to me was like such a poignant moment that I really recall feeling that feeling of like, where has my childlike sense gone? Yeah. And how can I get it back? And so I signed up for a piano lessons. 
Wow, that's powerful. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. Thanks. Sissy, I love you. Me too. I just want to talk to you all day long. I know. Do you think people want to hear it more? <laughs> I or? don't know. I kind of feel really vulnerable right now. I'm like, <laughs> do you guys like us? Are we cool enough for you? We know the answer to that, Kat. Yeah, they, don't. they don't. <laughs> so our inside joke is that whenever we post about each other on our perspective or respective IG accounts, like it's the worst traffic we get oh, we in like lose. all month. <laughs> <laughs> So, why do you hate us? Why do you guys hate us? Why do you guys hate our love? Um, but I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation. I, you know, you and I FaceTime and talk every day. I love talking with you and I love mm-hmm. how you experience the world. And I love how you, I love your love goggles for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope we get to do this again. So Same. if you are listening to this and this was a fun episode, you liked this episode, go ahead and leave a review on iTunes or email social at therefinedwoman.com. Give us some feedback. And if you want us to do another middle school journal episode, let us know in that email. And if you have any specific questions you would want to ask Sarah and I, let us know in that email. All right, Sarah, love you. I love you, sis. Thanks for making me a part of this. Of course. Bye. Bye. All right, friend. Thank you for indulging me and my bestie. Sarah Tutti Del Monte on the podcast today. You know, as I've navigated the podcast, I'm almost four years in and I've just been trying to think of, man, what are ways to like, not just like liven things up for you, but like spice things up for me. And I think something that I really am trying to lean into just in my personal and professional life is like, what are things that like light me up and to really allow myself to be led by curiosity. And I feel like I talk about some really intense things on this podcast and I love doing that. And I also like finding my middle school journal just was reminded like, I also like love pop culture and still love The Bachelor and really like almost fainted last week when I saw thought I saw Shawn Mendes at a restaurant. And so I just kind of like Sarah and I talked about in at the end of the episode, like what is it to bring childlike wonder back into our lives? Like how can I bring that even into my career and into this podcast. So this is a way to explore that childlike wonder for me by reading you some of my middle school journals. So again, if you loved it, would love to hear feedback from you. If you want to follow along with Tutti on Instagram, her Instagram is Tutti, that's T-U-T-T-I Del Monte. And her website is Boudoir by Tutti. If you need a boudoir photographer, she is the best one on the planet. All right, talk to you soon.